I mean, there's one point we had whatever, 10 or 15 people deep in line to buy books from me, which you guys are listening are probably like, whatever, there's 15 people at my local taco joint on a regular basis. But it's a big deal for a brand new author to have more than one person at their book booth waiting patiently to buy a book from them. Like, big deal. I've seen footage of famous authors and stuff at tables with no one, with no one lining up. So, you know, yeah, 15 people is great. Hey everyone, this is Lead with Who You Are. I'm Dia Bondi, and on this show, we explore and discover what it truly means to lead with who you are. And so am I. Let me just say, and so am I. On this episode, I'm going to talk with you a little bit about what I learned on my writing retreat and what I experienced and learned on my first week of um, my book tour for my brand new book, Ask Like an Auctioneer, which will be in stores November 14th, 2023. Just a week away right now from that date. And I'm excited and nervous and all the things that you can imagine. And today I have with me, Baby A. Hi, Baby A. Hey, Dia. I was going to just jump in there and say that this episode is likely going to come out several weeks after your book comes out. Oh, yeah. So, we're recording it beforehand, yeah. but it'll be live. Yeah. Maybe you'll see it in your local... Um, bookstore, maybe you'll see it in your local, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble. It, it might even be in Target. They say that it's available in Target, but I wonder if it'll actually be in stores. I don't know. That's cool. I've never bought a book at Target. Have you? I have. You have? Mm-hmm. What did you buy at? What I book bought Ice T's autobiography. <laughs> did you go there specifically to buy it? Or no, you I just was like, just uh, oh, in Target browsing. one night, walking around, and it just was like, As what, you do. what weird books do they have here? And I and I just saw that one. I was like, I want to know about Ice T's life. So I did you it. buy it? And did you actually read it? Or I have you just read buy it. it and sitting on your no, shelf? I Is read it. Interesting. It. Yeah. It's written, it just sounds like his voice. I mean, I'm sure he had a co-author, you know. You mean ghostwriter? Yeah. yeah. That's good. Okay, so two things, baby. Yeah, tell me about your book tour. Okay, so we're a week into the book tour. By the time folks are listening to this, it could be years from the book tour. But the very first week, I got to do, well, we had the book launch party at Kala Art Institute, which was awesome. We did our five-song dance party. Thank you so much, Mr. DJ. Oh, yeah, no problem. That was fun. It worked out good. I was, like, so happy. And it was so funny that I'm so... I don't know, tired and old now. <laughs> I had added to the note when, when we were inviting people that like, come, we're going to have some food, then we're going to have you know a little book program, and then we're going to do a five-song dance party, and everybody's going to be in bed by nine. Yeah. And my, I had more than one person say, you had me at in bed by nine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, a couple of days after that, I got on an airplane and went to Florida and um, did a, a keynote there for a, a large law, com- like legal community, a um, bunch of lawyers and their um, various associates as part of their offices, and did a few in-home, which were not ended up being in-home, they were in venue, but they were meant to be in-home salons with a couple of women's groups in Florida. So for folks who are listening, if you want to host, uh, one of the things that we do are host in-home salons, they're like book conversations, um, where folks can... Um, have a meaningful conversation about what it means to ask for more and get it, learn about the idea of ask like an auctioneer and sort of debrief, you know, take a look back in their own lives and then a, a look forward in, in their lives to see wh- when have they in the past made asks that had changed everything and what might they ask for now that helps accelerate them toward their goals. Um, and 
on, we did two events in the week and then on the weekend, I was gonna have to spend the weekend over because I had the last event on a Monday and I had booked myself a really nice, um, you know, I was going to be in Delray Beach. I booked myself an Airbnb that looked very cute. It was fine. Very cute. And um, I had an Airbnb the uh, earlier in the week at um, West Palm Beach, which is up the freeway another 25 miles from there or something. And it was lovely. Just like this one little one bedroom studio type apartment um, in this like three complex with a pool and nobody was there but me. And it was just this overgrown lush garden. It was just beautiful. So I was like, okay, I got this like South Florida. I got this. This sounds good. So I picked another one for the weekend that I had to spend over and I had booked it. And literally an hour and a half later, the guys that I've been chatting with next to me in my, um, at my book booth at the, at the lawyer's conference, We'd been talking about all kinds of stuff. It was so fun. They were really like hot on the idea of ask like an auctioneer and just major like, I got to get you connected with a group of women in Las Vegas who are thinking about amplifying, you know, women in hospitality. And like, they were just like such, they look like these lawyer tough guys, you know? Um, But they were, they were such like champions for advancing and accelerating women and super enthusiastic about the idea of ask like an auctioneer and were thinking about how they could use it themselves. It was so great. So we had really like generated conversations, just kind of shit talking with each other for the two days that I was at my my book booth. And I'm slaying it. Like, I mean, there's one point we had whatever, 10 or 15 people deep in line to buy books from me, which you guys are listening are probably like, whatever, there's 15 people at my local taco joint on a regular basis. But it's a big deal for a brand new author to have more than one person at their book booth waiting patiently to buy a book from them. Like, big deal. I've seen footage of famous authors and stuff um, at tables with no one, with no one lining up. So, you know, yeah, that There's, is Yeah, great. right? When, 15 yeah, people it is was great. Gra- it felt really good. And I was so, I don't know, it just felt very, um, I was just so grateful for everyone's enthusiasm and support. And it was really cool. So I'm chatty, chatty, chatty all, all, all week with these guys or for these two days in the middle of the week. And he goes, oh, where you, one of the guys goes, hey, where are you going next? And I said, oh, I got to go to Delray. He's like, oh, I, my office is in Delray. And I said, he said, where are you staying? I said, well, I just booked an Airbnb. He's like, I wish, I, I wish you'd told me because he has a home that is convert large, old, like historic home converted into a law office. And in the back, in what you think of as like a cor- carriage house or whatever, there's uh, two Airbnbs that are, you know, his partner that was at the table was like, it's too bad you didn't get those because they're really beautiful. Anyway, I was, I was like, hey, I just booked this other one. It's too late to cancel. Thank you so much. But, and he was like, all right, well, next time. So he heads out, I head out drive three hours to get to the, to the, to the Airbnb. I follow the directions to get into the door, which is just the circuitous, circuitous, is that the right word? Circuitous path around to where the quote unquote pool is, which looks like, I mean, it's full of stuff. So it looks like there's a couple of dead bodies at the bottom of the pool. Nobody's around. The wind is blowing. It's dusk. I open the door to the place and I start looking around and there's like one fork all of the pillows on the couch have like exploded at the seams. The, the box spring is like stained and crooked. The bedspread, it's got a big bite out of it. I don't know why it has a big bite out of it, but a big tear on the side. The walls, the walls have been patched, but not completely. There's the, 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 what are the stools at the little center Island in the kitchen are just stained and gnarly and there's no extra blankets. And I just, the, I start to look around the, 
just the walls are beat up and the baseboards are gross. And I just went, I don't think I can get in that bed. Oh, yeah. How I don't understand how people get away with that. Like the photos on the website must have looked fine. Looked fine. And, you know, I had corresponded with the with the with the owner or the host, you know, beforehand. So anyway, saying like, oh, I, wa- I wanted to get this one of the there's three units. It's like a house that's broken into three little units. I was like, great. That's like the one the other one I stayed in earlier in the week, which was lovely, beautiful, perfect. Right. Um I mean, it's an old building, so there's old building things, but it's like super clean, like everything's like bright white and it's just it has like a you know, it has a like welcome feeling. Yeah. Um, this place was more like, I don't know, like your grandmother's storage room and she hasn't been around for a while. Right. And um, I'm like, it's like 730. And then it's like, I'm standing there going, am I guess, like, am I seeing this right? Am I being picky? Like I totally was talking myself out of wanting to leave, you know? And then I was corresponding with the person that was owning it and, or, you know, the, the host, I'm like, Hey, because they had put in the Airbnb listing, if there's anything beat up, please let us know so we can fix it. Well, I start taking pictures and I start taking, and I'm like, I sent them a note. I was like, you guys, this place, I know you said, please communicate things that aren't right. And I just, I felt so weird calling them out on something that was so gross. And they were like, thank you so much. This is exactly what we want to know. I'm going to have an extra blanket drop ship to you. It'll be there at four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, thank you. That doesn't really help. Um, but like other stuff is broken. I mean, and the stained mattress was just like, come on. Ugh. And then yeah. it's like eight. And then I call my family and I'm like, am I crazy? Or am I being too picky? You know, cause I'm, an, I'm the one that's going to muscle it. Right. I mean, that's right. fine. I just friggin' muscle it, but I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I just, you know, so finally, I remember the guy at the booth next to me who was like, come stay at my... So yeah. I text him. I was like, are you awake? Right. <laughs> anyway, this guy who shall remain nameless, he was like, hey, the answer is yes. Um, let me get back to you in a minute. And I'm like, okay. I had already unpacked like all my groceries and stuff. So I was like unpacking. He's like, I'll send you the text. I'll send you the location in a minute. And I And I was like, great. Can you tell me where the address is and what are you going to charge me? And he was like... Here's the address. I usually charge this. I'll give you this other, you know, rate, which was still going to be like, I'm still going to be being like twice, you know, it's like booking something twice basically sure. for the weekend, you know, which whatever. And I, um, there must be some kind of clause though, if things are really bad in a place that there you can is, get but, a refund, but how right? do they define really bad? I mean, right. like the, the Airbnb coverage is like, Oh, well, you know, if it says it has a kitchen and then it actually doesn't, that counts as refund, you know? And I didn't want to talk to the, to the host cause I felt so weird. So I just went through the Airbnb customer service, which was pretty like they kind of, they'll respond and then they ghost you for a long time and you sure. don't know where the status, is it actually canceled? I don't know. Look at all this consternation I'm having over like hardly anything. I don't know. I think I was just so concerned about people feeling rejected uh-huh. <laughs> that I was embarrassed to be like, this place sucks. I'm, I can't stay here. Anyway, this guy texts me 15 minutes later. He's like, keys under the door, lights are on, you know, l- let me know when you get here. So I pull into this place and it's like this gorgeous building and I'm just dealing with like, I'll figure out what I'm going to pay him tomorrow. I just want to get unpacked and shake off this yucky feeling of like having to just say no to this place. Yeah. Um, and I open the door and baby, a, it's like pristine, 
you know, it's just like a one bedroom cottage type extra house. And it's like pristine and beautiful and new and perfectly clean. And just like, I was like, oh my God, thank God. Knowing I was going to spend no the whole No bites weekend, out of the bedspread. Right? No big chomps out of the bedspread. No stains on like, yeah, various sleeping apparatus. It was just like so nice. And That's I texted great. him. I said, hey, I'm here. Thank you so much. It's beautiful. Please tell your wife, you know, and he, you know, that this, this is like, I'm so grateful that you were extended this to me. We'll figure out details tomorrow. And he was like, we're having dinner around the corner. Um, I'm so glad it's comfortable for you. And my fee is $0 and one signed book for my daughter, Stella, who's a sophomore in college. Oh, that's great. It's such a, t- this is like a really long story to get to like the point, which is, I was, it was really in that moment when he said that to me, there was this, you know, in the book, I talk about this idea of Zofo, you know, just the zone of freaking out when you ask for more than you can get. Okay. Or more than you think that you can get. And it was Zofo wish for me to reach out to him at eight o'clock at night and say, can I take you up on your offer? Like, I know it's inconvenient. You're probably home already with your shoes off. Like, is there a way I can get into this place? And he said, yes. And then over and over and above, he was like, I'm not going to charge you. Please just leave a a signed book for my daughter on the table. I was like, it was a different kind of Zofo of like actually accepting somebody's generosity and not batting it away and be like, oh no, no, you just tell me how much it'll cost. I couldn't possibly accept that, you know, just to like resist his generosity, which is actually not a generous thing to do, you know? And he, you know, I, and I, when I received that text, I just had to take a minute and slow down and go like, Dia, this is one of those moments where someone's just, it's not hurting them to exercise this generosity like let them be a hero. Yeah. Like let them have the feeling of helping someone else like actively and generously. So don't try to deny their offer. Just say thank you and then show up wholeheartedly in it and respectfully in it. And when I left, I ended up, you know, leaving him flowers and a little bag of um of treats that go along with a, you know, with a signed book for his daughter and I went to his law practice and said goodbye cuz it was Charleston Monday Chew. when I had to head Charleston Shoes, which everybody will find out why on um, page 90. Um, Charleston Shoes. And it was just, I don't know, it's just a recognition, and maybe everyone listening can knows that feeling of like accepting somebody else's generosity can feel sometimes just as confronting as um, sort of stepping into an ask that feels bigger than what you expect. So thank you so much, um, T. I'll just call him T. Um, and, um, I accept your offer. Have you had no, have you had moments, baby, where somebody gave you more than like was really generous to you and it felt weird? You know, I think being in a touring rock and roll band that's playing, you know, sometimes really big places with hospitality and like a place to stay, you know, like hotel or whatever. And then also playing like tiny little punk rock clubs in the South where you're like looking for like floors to sleep on or places to park the bus or whatever. I got very, very used to just accepting all forms of generosity and just accepting that people were doing it because they wanted to and just saying thank you and stuff. So like, I got really used to that over the years of touring. That's great. That's, I mean, what a beautiful muscle to exercise. It's harder for me as somebody who's like hyper independent, like very, I got that, like if I were three right now, I'd be that little girl saying, I do it myself, you know, like, like I, that's a thing. And, you know, I want to be the person who's doing the giving. And also, you know, there's some control in that, right? Like there's, 
when I'm the one being the generous one, I get to be the hero and I get to like exercise power in the relationship. I get to actually kind of control and shape things because I'm the one that has access to and is doling out the resources. Right. But to be on the other side of that, it was just, um, it was confronting in sort of a wonderful way. I had to let go a lot of like playing a role that is, you know, a dominant role in the exchange when like that wasn't happening. Like I just needed to let myself be enough and accept it. Hey, just a quick reminder. You can subscribe to this show on your podcast platform of choice. We're live nearly everywhere and you can always listen to the show at diabondi.com. If there's a leader or innovator in your life who is at their shiniest when they lead with who they truly are, please share the show with them and rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. It makes a huge difference in the reach that the show has when you let everyone else know what you love about the show. Thanks so much. You love audio, right? That's why you're here right now. Well, Ask Like an Auctioneer, the audiobook is available for pre-order now. Or if you're listening to this episode after November 14th, 2023, it's live right now. Head to your favorite audiobook source and add it to your queue. You won't regret it because it has jokes in it. Kinda. Learn to ask like an auctioneer with me right in your headphones. Okay, baby, let's get into what I learned at my writing retreat. Let's do it. So uh, I think a few episodes ago, and if this is new for you, I I shared that after writing a book, I realized, holy cow, I actually really love writing and I want to pursue the continuation of my, of Diabondi communications around both my communications work and all of what I might produce and experiences I might create around the book, Ask Like an Auctioneer from a writer's creative lens. And so in order to accelerate that for myself, I invested in a week-long um, writing retreat with a best-selling author who's been running these retreats for many years now. Um, and I, I was, I think me and only one other author were in the small group with the only nonfiction authors. Many p- women in the group have not yet published um me and two others had, um, but many of them were operating in sort of the memoir and, and, um, memoir and fiction space. And so we had three days of workshops with writing opportunities and we shared and, um, and took feedback on a few pieces that we were working on. So there's three key territories that I, you know, really clocked some learning around. And I wanted to share these with you. One is, um, we did a bunch of exercises around, um, writing and then without any crosstalk, reading those out loud and listening to how people perceive or experienced or what they thought of, what uh, uh, images came to mind, um, what interpretations they were making about your writing. And it really, really landed with me that you cannot control your reader. You have to be, I have to actually be willing to be misunderstood in writing in the way when I'm facilitating or when I'm giving a keynote is not the experience I'm usually in because I am very often checking for understanding and then closing gaps so that the learning and the the ideas are are transferring from the teaching to the learning as, as efficiently as possible. And that's not what happens in the writing experience. So 
So letting ourselves be misunderstood is a really actually powerful and freeing approach when I went to start putting uh, words on the page. Can't control your reader. I have to go for impact and specificity in the writing, in the, the words that I choose, in the way I illustrate something to elicit a particular feeling, but not so unrelenting about making sure that the picture in my head is exactly the picture that others have in their heads because they're bringing their own experience to the table. Now, for those of you in leadership communications who are, you know, wanting to communicate either, you know, to your all company or to a particular team, you are going to be uh, checking for understanding regularly. You are having crosstalk and, and seeing where that alignment exists, but you also have to not forget that people are bringing their own life experience, their own leadership experience, their own perceptions, their own value system to the table. And to let there be a little bit of space there for that gives you as the author of a critical communications moment or of a manuscript in my case, uh, a little bit of, of room and breathing space for it not to be a perfectly efficient transaction. Lesson number two for me was because I live in the world of how-tos so often, you know, I, I do do a lot of instructional, create a lot of instructional um, material. You know, I'm in, the world of, I'm in the world of teaching frameworks and ideas that help people solve a very specific problem. And, you know, in the world of writing, those can show up as how-tos or listicles, you know, 10 tips about or three ideas for or two perspect- perspectives that will allow you to do X, Y, and Z. They're very much about helping people get into action. And in doing that, the writing can end up being very directive, and it has been. If you look at any of my blogs, you'll see they've been very directive, direct and directive. But I learned that there's a thing called prescriptive memoir. Prescriptive memoir where I'm telling a personal story through the use of scenes that allow my experience in a particular context that might be, or in a particular challenge that might be familiar to you, can offer you a lesson that you can use and interpret in a way that is useful for you based on your what you are also bringing to the table. So having the language of prescriptive, that's the how-to, I'm telling you how you might do something. Memoir rooted in my experience using actual scenes is a total unlock. And so right now, on my brand new um, sort of side hustle uh um, Substack, which I'm calling Farfetch. I only have one post in there. I'm actively rewriting that post, which is not prescriptive memoir. It's literally like, you know, five steps to, it is, it is just prescriptive, prescriptive. I'm rewriting that using a more memoir approach to see how that might have a different impact and to explore my voice when I get to use the, when I get to use a more, um, memoir-ish I experience as the jumping off place. Okay. So my new challenge to myself going forward is to take listicles, lessons, and long form blogs that I take to teach people things, but do them through scene work. When I started writing um, years ago, doing something called uh, the Other Side of Travel, which was sort of like a travel blog for when I was traveling a whole bunch. Before I had kids, I was on the road all the time. I always recognized a blog that I wanted to write when something hit me I like to call one true sentence, which is the first sentence 
in a big idea, I know I can write 1,500 words around. It's the jumping off place for everything. And so now, instead of using one true sentence, what I'm scanning my own memory for, what I'm scanning my own life for is one true scene, a picture that I can use from my own experience as the jumping off place for talking about my experience such that you can get something instructive about it. And it's a mind shift in a real way. It's like operating from a photograph instead of operating from a single line of text. So if you are interested in seeing how this super duper clunky uh, evolution will go from Dia being so only prescriptive to being prescriptive from a more memoirist kind of approach, um, you can watch me stumble through this over at Farfetched on Substack right now. I'll be posting, um, I don't know when you're listening to this, but while I'm recording it, I'll be posting my very second post there. Um, and you know, all of this is in pursuit, you know, of this notion. This is, you know, I, I use this quote a lot. Um, Arthur and I, baby A and I have talked about this before that it takes a lifetime to sound like yourself. This is something that, you know, quote from Miles Davis and all of this pursuit in my creative work is a lot about how, um, how I can more, sound like myself. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening to this solo-ish episode with me and Baby A. Hey, hey. Yep, and so I guess my prescriptive, I did a little prescriptive memoir today. I told you a story, and I guess the prescription is when somebody is going to offer you a radical act of generosity to just accept it. And um, yes, and engaging in a creative pursuit is a good way for us to sound and practice and learn how we sound individually. So we can lead with who we are. Lead with who you are is a production of Dia Bondi Communications and is scored, mixed, and produced by Arthur Leon Adams III. Have a question or an inquiry? Reach out to us at hello at diabondi.com. You can like, share, rate, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Go to diabondi.com for the show notes to find our tools, frameworks, content, and programs to help you and your team speak powerfully and lead with who you are. Mm-hmm.